Hey everybody, God bless you and welcome to the Church of Jubilee podcast. My name is Pastor Jonathan. In this week's message, I bring forth a message that will encourage you, that will uplift you, and that would be able to sow a seed inside of you that would grow in the future for many, many years to come. Nicodemus approaches Jesus in the book of John, and he asks Jesus what must he do to enter the kingdom of God, to enter the kingdom of heaven, in other words, to enter into God's uh, saving place. And Jesus responds to him and tells him that he must be born of the water and of the spirit. And Nicodemus doesn't understand this because Nicodemus feels, how can I go back into my mother's womb when I have already been born? So he looks very, you know, as a very confused, in a very confused state. And he doesn't understand it, but Jesus clarifies for him and says, unless one is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And in this week's message, I want you to be encouraged to know that the baptism that you put on in the name of Jesus is something that proclaims to the world that you are now with Christ. But you must first believe and accept Christ into your life. You must first get that understanding that it, it requires you to come to repentance with God. It requires you to come and tell God, hey, I am sorry of everything that I've done and you ask for forgiveness. And then you put on that display in the baptismal waters and the Holy Spirit will always be with you from that point on. I pray that this week's message may continue to do something in your life. Perhaps you have been searching for something because Nicodemus was searching for something. He was searching for something that was out of his normal way of doing things. At the cost of his reputation, he went to seek out Jesus and find out what it need, what he needed to do to enter into the kingdom of God. And he was searching for something so deep that he was willing to risk it all to get the question answered. So I ask you today, what is it that you risk? What do you risk? What kind of reputation do you have that you would enter into the kingdom of God? I pray that you seek the Lord. I pray that you reach out and you allow God to work in your heart and that you search for him. Because the more you search for him, the more you seek him, the more you will find him. And when you find him, you will know exactly what he requires of you. And in the name of Jesus, I bless your life and I pray that this message may saturate in your spirit and grow inside of it. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Don't forget to share it. Uh, leave a comment. We love to hear what you think and uh, you know, continue to support us in any way you possibly can by sharing the message, by telling others about it. We want them to be blessed as much as you. And in the precious name of Jesus, God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. But as you were there standing, I'm going to ask that you open your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 3, once again, verses 1 through 8. When you have it, give me a great amen. All right, good. We got it, most everybody. Let's read what the Word of God says, starting with verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the things for the signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say unto you, unless one is born of the, again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 4 says, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter into a second time into his mother's womb and be born? 
Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. But do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So everyone who is born of the spirit. You may have your seats giving glory to God. We read in this passage of scripture that Jesus is having a conversation with this man named Nicodemus. And just who is Nicodemus, just so that you understand a little bit of the background. He is a ruler of the Sanhedrin, ruling very similar to someone who rules over man. He belongs to a very important group that these, the, these um, Pharisees are called, but they're called the Sanhedrin. And um, it's these Pharisees are known for upholding the law to the highest extent, okay? If there was a law that said um, you cannot chew gum, they would not chew gum because the law to them was the law no matter what. There were no circumstances, you know, and, and they were really dependent on this law. So this was no, this man Nicodemus was no ordinary average citizen. He was a very educated man and he was considered intelligent. So he finds himself in the situation where he's a teacher of the law, the word of God says. So he's not only a ruler, he's a teacher. He belongs to a, an important group of people and, and he considers himself of good reputation because he's, you can consider him like a mayor where he has a reputation to protect and, and he has to uphold to it. But his group, the, the little crowd that he hang, hung around with, were a group of people that were considered religious conservatives. People that believe that they followed the, the law and God's will to the highest point, to the everything, to the T, where they did not miss. And everyone else that did not follow what they followed were, were completely wrong. And, and they, sometimes these Pharisees felt that they were above other people because oh, we don't do that. They did that, but we don't do that. That's not who we are. We're better than that. We're better than them. So I'm giving you some background on the Pharisees. They were supposed to be the experts of the law of God and the, or the law of Moses. Um, they were known for being hypocrites um, to the people, including Jesus called them a hypocrite. So they were all about the law. They're well respected to the common man. They were kind of the people that you would see, you know, talking to us as, as normal average citizens. They weren't too high to talk to us. But, the, but the, at the same time, when it came to religious purposes, they, were, they thought they were everything. And a bag of potato chips, all right? So I'll leave it as that. They didn't acknowledge, though, that Jesus was the Messiah. Can you, can you imagine that just for a moment? You, you, you're a very educated person, and, and you come before this, this man who should recognize if you knew the law, if you knew what he was, but they, he, they don't recognize him because their mind was somewhere else. So I want to bring three points to you. My first point is hungry for a change. Hungry for something different. This man Nicodemus had a, a, a reputation to protect. So this leads me to believe the reason why he comes to Jesus in the middle of the night or towards the night is because he doesn't want to be seen by his people talking to the guy who they say is not the Messiah. The guy who they say did the miracles because they were he was a part of the, the devil. That's what they believed. Amen. Which we know that wasn't the truth. 
But he comes at night because perhaps he was worried about what his group would say. Perhaps he was worried about what they would think of him. You know, and he, he's already an important man. And he rules over the ultimate law. And, and, and you know, he comes at night because he's so worried about what they're going to say, Sister Rebecca, about, about this, about what he's doing right now, talking to this man who they consider a man of the devil. But I believe that Nicodemus was searching for something. He had, there was something that Jesus had, had done or had, he had seen that in his spirit, inside of Nicodemus, he said, there's got to be more to this man than what, what, when they, what my group's saying. The reason I, I believe that Nicodemus says that is because he goes to God searching for something. Just like with any organization, you, you work for a brother, brother Allen works for Casa Kia, there, and I work for Verizon, and we work for different companies. There are certain guidelines and, and policies that we have to abide by. Isn't that right, brother? We cannot just do whatever we want. We have to, you know, when we're out there, we're still representing our respective organizations. Group that says, hey, don't you be talking to those sinners over there, okay? You don't talk to them. But something inside of Nicodemus says, there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more to this man. And I know that he's of God because he's doing miracles, because he's changing lives. But what is it about this man that I, I got to go ask him? I'm going to find a way to go ask him. I'm going to sneak out in the night and I'm going to go ask him and just get the answer from him right from the source. Amen? Something kept him looking deeper for the answers of life. There was something that's already pre-built inside of you. You may not realize it yet, but you soon will. There is something that's inside that pushes you and pulls you towards God. And you don't recognize it at first. You don't know what it is. But there is something deep inside that says, there's got to be more to life than what I'm living right now. Can I share with you that living for Jesus, living a life with Jesus Christ is not the most popular in many circles. Tell, try telling somebody who's not in church that you live for Jesus. Oh, okay. You're one of those guys. Oh, you're one of those. That's right. You're one of those Christians. You guys are all hypocrites. Isn't that what they tell us? You say one thing and you guys do another thing. You say you love Jesus, but then I see you somewhere else that you're not supposed to be. You see, when you make the decision to serve Christ and, and you accept him into your life and you begin to proclaim that you are born again through the baptismal waters, you begin to lose people that really weren't important to you, but they kind of are. But the reputation of that changes where you're no longer the popular person to them anymore. You're now living somebody as a, as a different person and they look at you and say, well, what makes you better than me? Nothing besides that I found Jesus. I found Jesus because there is something inside of you already built that says that your life cannot be living just, you know, what we're living at times. That there's got to be a greater purpose. You know, these people of Scientology, these Scientologists, they, you ask them and I've read up on them and I've seen documentaries. They say that the reason why they believe in what they believe in is because they feel purpose. Even though it's the craziest thing to think about the way they believe. But they believe in something because it has purpose. You have, you see, they're filling something with what they're not, they're so, what they're not, what they're not going to supposed to be doing. They're not supposed to be filling it with that. But they're filling it anyways because they're trying to fill that void. 
that purpose fulfillment and that only comes from when you live for Jesus when you live a life with Jesus Christ when you live a life with the God that you and I serve hallelujah you come to understand that purpose starts with him hallelujah that a new life starts with him that any if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation so Nicodemus, although he was probably ashamed to be seen as a follower of Christ, he still came hungry to Jesus. He's, he, he was like, I know I'm going to, if they catch me, man, I'm going to take some heat for this, but I'm willing to do it because there is an answer inside of me that says, I need to know how to get to live in the kingdom of God. I need to know how to live in the kingdom of God so that I secure my inheritance. And really what he's asking Jesus when he sees him is how do I become part of your kingdom? How do I become on the good side? And he was smart enough to say, hey, if this guy can do miracles and he claims to be the Messiah, the Savior, why not just ask him? Right? Point number two. What others, what about what others think, Pastor? We talked about a little bit about what Nicodemus risked coming into this place, coming, coming to this place where Jesus was and asking him, you know, and, and if he had been discovered, he probably would have lost everything. Hallelujah. But he was because he asked the question of what must I do, need to do to be saved? His important circle might have thrown him out of the way, perhaps. But he, let me just bring this to you. They may have felt betrayed, just like some of your friends or family. When you say you're going to become a, a Christian that lives for Jesus, they feel betrayal. Like, why, why, why are you going over there and becoming one of them? We raised you always to be like this. I said that you were never this. And I said, and I, I, I put it on my life that I would never let you go outside of this religion. And I, you're going to serve this religion and, and blah, 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 right? But the reality is that something inside says, I got to get to know this God who, who, who the people or the Christians say is the Lord and Savior. Because there's something that Jesus can offer that the world can't. And that's eternal life. Hallelujah. That's a life that says you will not have it all together all the time. But when you get with God, all things will come together to them that love the Lord and they work for good. Hallelujah. Perhaps many of you have fallen into the trap yourselves. You, you know, you've heard of what others think and, and, and you heard about what they feel about you being a quote unquote church person. In our apostolic circle, they call us the hallelujahs or the holy rollers, right? You get all this criticism. You tell someone you're going to church and you want to start and they begin to give you an opinion. Oh, I don't know if you should go there. Honestly, they're not any different from us. You know, they, honestly, I, 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 there's a pastor that does this and, and, and they start giving you their opinion because they don't want you to go to church. They don't want you to be a part of that. And you begin, sometimes we, we start thinking upon this and we allow that. We don't, come, we don't come giving ourselves to Christ because we're worried about what the crowd's going to say. We're worried about what the person next to us is going to think about us. When we, God forbid we come to an altar, lift our hands and begin to cry because they're going to think I'm a wimp. 
How about when you share with them that you are desiring to get closer to God? Then you hear that common phrase, oh, okay, sounds good. That's good, for, that's good. But I mean, honestly, what makes it so different than what I'm doing and what you're doing? We've been through the motions for some of us. We've been through the movements, the formality of church. And we think that today is no different from the other 50 times a year that we get to meet here in this place. So we come already with a closed-minded approach sometimes, and we don't allow God to move in our lives. Because we allow what we think or the opinion of someone else to interfere with what God wants to do with us. Some of us have where our, you know, an issue where maybe our circle is, is ex it's an extended circle, but they're super important to us, and we don't want to look bad. I, I know of a, a few people that... Have a walk with Christ, but the moment they get around their, their friends and their buddies, you know, it becomes very disastrous for them. Because they value that input. They value that, that uh, affirmation of you're a part of something greater. But not Nicodemus. Nicodemus to a certain point said, I can't be seen, so I'm going to do it on the, on the DL, on the down low. But, but I'm going to get an answer from this man. I'm going to go to him and ask him, what is it that I got to do to get into your kingdom? Hallelujah. And I think that we all have to take that approach that when we come into this place, our, our hearts have to be open and ready to receive what God has for us. Instead of coming in here saying, man, I've heard about this place or I've, I think about this or I think God works like this. Just come in here saying, man, God, what do you have for me? What can I walk away with today that will this week and a month, years from later, change my life forever? What can, I, what can I secure today and as an, as an inheritance that either restores me, delivers me, gets me back on track? So some of us, you know, I've seen it with a couple of people in my past where we, we come and we don't receive anything. And we walk out of here, Brother Abram, and we think it's just another church service. Fun, jump a little bit. They sing some crazy music. I have never seen them dance like that. But uh, okay. But it's cool. And we come into the place and we leave half filled. When God wants to fill you completely. When God wants to give you something that says, hey, let me refill you for the week, hallelujah, so that when you get to the end of the week, you come back for more, and I'll refill you again. And then not only, not only that, but I'm in the whole process, I'm building something in you that you don't know yet, but it's going to be great. You have to trust him in the process. And for my church people that have been in church, let's talk some hashtag real talk. For some of our seasoned veterans, we don't share Jesus sometimes because we're worried about what people say. We don't want to share that we're a Christian. We don't want to share that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Because if we do, how do they look at us? God forbid we lose some status. Amen? But I, I go back to the story of Nicodemus. He came hungry for something. Just like you have come tonight. We all have a hunger inside. And it's never going to be complete until we reach him. Where we're able to be with him the whole time. So as long as you continue to come though. And come with an open mind. God says I have more food for you. Are you full yet? No not yet God. I'm going to give you some more food. I'm going to give you some living waters. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you some spirit inside of you. That's a whole, the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That will guide you. That will mold you 
that will tell you what is necessary. But here's the difference, just like Nicodemus. You have to be ready for the change. You have to want it. God is a perfect gentleman, and he'll never force himself upon you. I don't know who he is. That's you to serve him. He wants you to serve him because you love him. Well, Pastor, I don't know who he is. That's okay. You start tonight. You start when you get home. You start the next day and you say, God, I don't know much about you, but I'm seeking something like Nicodemus did. And I want to know how do I get to know you and get into your kingdom. He wasn't afraid to have a real conversation with Jesus. He wasn't afraid to like, okay, God, look, look, Jesus, let's get cut right to the point. How do I get saved? How do I get to how do I get to your kingdom? How do I do it? I'm not gonna waste, I'm not gonna waste any time. How was your night? How was your day? You know, what's been happening, Jesus? I saw that miracle you did. He's like, look, let's just cut to the chase. How do I get into the kingdom of God? Point number three. How do I enter? Jesus said in verse three, said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And you know what amazes me, and it amazed Jesus because it annoyed him in some point, was that Nicodemus doesn't understand this. If you read, continue reading, you'll realize that Nicodemus begins to ask, ask the Lord. He says, how, how is this even possible? You're saying I have to be born again? How can I go? I'm an old man already. How can I go into my mom's womb, my mother's womb, and be born again? And this is what Nicodemus is telling Jesus. How can I do that? How is that even possible? What are you talking about? He says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter into a second time into his mother's, mother's womb and be born? And Jesus says to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Many people in the world, want to, they, they know the answer that Jesus gave Nicodemus. They've heard the scripture, they've heard it preached, and yet they still don't understand it. And, and later on in the passage where I was going was that Jesus tells Nicodemus, aren't you a teacher of the law? And you don't know this? Like, really? The ones that should know it, you don't know? They're a Christian because they were raised in a Christian home because your parents are Christian. No, because I found Jesus. Because I found something that gave me purpose. That no matter how bad I was, no matter how, what kind of condition I came to him, he was always willing to accept me and say, look, I've already forgiven you for that. Let's get you back on your feet, dust you off, clean you up, and let's get you back on the road. Because that is living for Jesus. Some people respond to the question of when we ask them, are you a Christian? They say, well, I, I think so because I try to live a good life. It's good to have a good life. That's great. God blesses in abundance. But a life without Jesus and you're still living a good life doesn't mean anything. You must be born of the water and of the spirit to enter the kingdom of God. Some people say, I don't. I don't think you have to be a Christian, but I do think that um, you have to believe in something. Yeah, I agree. Believe in Jesus. He died for you. Well, I didn't ask him to. You didn't have to. He did it for you. Well, I don't even love him. I hate him. He still loves you. 
Because the one moment you decide to lift up your hands and eyes to him, he says, I've been waiting for you. What took you so long? Can I get someone to understand that we need to be like, you know, Nicodemus hungry for change. Coming into the presence of God saying, God, what is it? I'm going to get right to the point, God. I need my life to be fixed. God, I'm struggling with an addiction. God, I'm struggling with this thought. God, I'm having problems in my job. God, I'm having this, that, that. We need to be straight up with God. Because it, God's not intimidated by what you're going through. God says, the more you give, the more I can work in it. There's a God somewhere. I mean, I know there is a higher power somewhere, but I don't know where. And then others say, God is whatever you believe. God is. My Bible tells me that for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's what my Bible says. I don't know if you caught that. But people need to know in this world, people that don't know the Lord need to know that Jesus loved them so much. God loved them so much. He sent himself, hallelujah, to take the, the place on, on a cross that you and I should have deserved. But he did it so that you and I could live. And then verse 17 says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. If you get anything from tonight, understand that there is a God that loves you, that gave his life, that no matter what the world says, the people that say, oh, God is angry, he's a hateful God, and he's a God that loves you, and he gave his life for you without you having to even ask. Because he loved you that much. Because to those that come to know him, such as Nicodemus did in that moment, they suddenly understand that he's not just a God, but he's a, he's a healer. That he's a deliverer. That he's a friend at all times. When everyone has given up on you, you can go to God and he listens. If you don't have a father, he's the father you've never had. If you don't have a mother, he's a mother that you've never had. He fills that place, that void. He is the way maker, hallelujah. He makes a way out of no way. When you're like, I didn't think it was just miracles. That's not just. There are people today still being healed by the power in the name of Jesus. He's a chain breaker. If you bring chains and you've come and you're all bent out of shape and you've been beat by the world and, and life circumstances, he breaks chains. This is why God that loves you so much said he gave his life. This is why it's important that you're sitting here today. Because whether you think it's a coincidence or not, it's not a coincidence. God has you here to hear something. He has a word for you and he's putting it in your spirit already. When Jesus refers and explains to Nicodemus what he must do, he refers to water. Baptism in the waters, hallelujah, signifies an outward testimony to God. It signifies to the world that, hey, I've been baptized in the waters now. I now serve Jesus. The world that, that knew, used to know me as the old man is no longer there. I've been baptized in the name of Jesus. I've washed my sins away. I've come to him repented and I've given my life to him. You step in them waters, you say, I am a new person in Christ. Thank God for that. Hallelujah. 
When you are baptized, you declare your allegiance to Christ and you begin to tell the world that you now are belonging to Christ, that your sins have been forgiven, but most importantly, that the old person has gone away. You see, some, the reason why we go to the baptism of waters is that something has to die when you're in the waters. The old person has to die. The old habits have to die. The old structure that you once knew has to die. And what I'm telling you today is that you must understand that when you come to Jesus, he's willing to give you something fresh and new. Something to renew your life. Something to change it. If you don't like your life the way it is right now, take it to Jesus. But you must first believe and turn from the ways that you once lived. You can't come into Jesus and say, I've been changed, but then you go back and live the same way. Because once God changes your life, he does it to completeness and fullness. I always tell the church, he's not a part-time God that does part-time things. He's not a half-time job that only gives half effort. When he, whom the son has set free is free indeed. So when God frees you or heals somebody, so when, that, when God comes to you and delivers something in your life that you've been praying for, he says, you'll never have to worry about that again unless you go back to it. Hallelujah. Brother Abram, if you could help me out. We're all searching for something. And for those of you who have been in the Lord, you still feel a hunger because it draws you closer to him. And the closer you are to him, the more of his blessings flow in your life. The more of his peace, his joy, his abundance and what he wants to do in your life. The more of, of healing comes into your life. The more encouragement comes into your life. The more that you begin to understand that, man, I've been trying it my own way and it hasn't worked. But I've tried it Jesus' way and it hasn't been perfect. But I feel so encouraged to know that God would never leave me nor forsake me. That he would never leave you by yourself. That he would say, even in those quiet moments that you think that I can't hear, I'm listening to you. I'm waiting for you to surrender it all to me, to give me everything, to have a real talk with me. So tonight you may be like Nicodemus. Maybe you've fought some people along the way to get here maybe you're worried about a grandmother because i remember a story my mom told me that my great great grandmother on, on her side told her she was catholic and she told her um you'll never i'm never going to ever convert and let you convert to being a christian because i committed to being a catholic and as long as i live you're going to be a catholic religion bottom line no matter what organization it was but my mom knew enough to say there's something else. There's something else that's out there that we're not fulfilling here. This is what my, I'm saying as my mom would have said. And she searched. She searched for something that said, God, if you are truly real, I need you more than ever. My, my great-great-grandmother, she was an Indian, so she was very persistent, but it took her to her last days. 
And I, and I, I praise God because in those last days, my mom and dad were still able to minister to her because she had opened her heart at that time. What she fought so hard against, eventually she comes to understand that, man, I've missed it this much. I'm on a deathbed and I missed it. Is it too late? And God opened up an opportunity for them to minister to her. Whether she accepted it, we'll never know because she, she passed. Only God knows. But I thank God because what she thought was she was fighting was the one that was waiting for her the whole time. She was fighting him, but yet she didn't realize that in a moment upon her bed and her deathbed that she would have to acknowledge that he was Jesus Christ. A God that saved her. That would save her. A God that came and died. So you may be worried about what your reputation, what your family might say, what people think of you. Don't be. Stand on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. Declare to the world and say, do you to him. In my prayer moments, he has me bawling where I can't even control my, my, my emotions. There's just so gone at that time. Because that's a, a, a wonderful experience. Because I know he's working in my heart. And he's saying, you may have got a lot of fixing to do. But I'm glad I'm plugged into him. Let us stand. Hallelujah. You know, one thing I will say is that before Nicodemus even asked the question, the Lord already knew what he was going to ask. He already knew, which is why Jesus asked the first question, provoke, well, he provoked the question in what he says. He already begins to ask the question as Nicodemus comes around. After Nicodemus says, hey, we know you're, you're somebody important and, and uh, you know, that you, you do special things that we think you're a man of God. Then Jesus throws out a provoked question to get him the answer. Because Jesus already knew what he was going to answer, what he was going to ask. And I believe that tonight, everything that you want to talk to God about, he already knows. But are you willing to confess it with your mouth to him? And say, hey, Jesus, hey, God, let's have a real talk. My marriage is not right. My family is not right. My work's giving me a problem. I've endured battles. I got a, you know, custody battle or whatever out there. You know, I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with that. But I just need you right now. And God would do it. God would do it. Can I get an amen to that? So as we prepare this altar, I, I want to encourage you that you come hungry for the presence of God. Because those that seek him will find him. And I want to make a special invitation. If you have not given your life to Jesus and you want to give your life to Jesus, I will, I will gladly pray with you. And we'll walk you through. And if you've already known Jesus... Maybe you want to just get back in contact with him. Maybe it's been a rough road for you. Hallelujah. Open up this altar. You, you can, if you want to.